This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to kind of springboard a little bit off what we did last week and then just get into some stuff. I, I'm trying to be as practical with, with some of the things that God is doing and, and some of the things that I'm learning myself about where God is and what he's like and how he's trying to work with us. He's just so good. And it's, it's always interesting for me because like, I know what I'm going to say, what I think I'm going to say, unless we, every now and again, the Holy Spirit veers off in different directions. But it's interesting because nobody else knows that. And what's interesting to me is the number of times the, the points that I want to touch on kind of come up either in prayer or in praise and worship or in both. And so that's a good thing. It means that God's kind of seeding and, and st- setting the, the groundwork for this morning. If there's one thing that I've de- I discover about so many people, particularly at Living Faith, is that people are looking for a move of God in their life. People are, are interested and they're hungry for the things of God. They're looking for God to, to reach in and touch where they are. And no matter where they are in their journey with God, what I've discovered is that there is a deep hunger on the inside of people to sit and say, I don't want to live where I am, but I'm looking for something new. I'm looking for expansion. I'm, move, I'm looking to move into a new dimension with God. I want to see God at work in my life. I want to experience him touching and, and, and influencing the different parts of who I am. I want to walk into a future that's defined by him. What does that look like? It becomes so important for us because if there's one thing that this world needs more than anything is a move from God. The thing about it is if you look at through the Bible, God doesn't move independently of people. And so if you're looking for a move in the world, if you're looking for a move in your neighborhood, it's going to start off with you. That's where it happens. Sometimes we, we're not always aware of the fact that I'm actually the catalyst for God in the space in which I find myself. We're looking for God to do something and he's like, I'm knocking at the door. Do not work with me. And so the more we become aware of the fact that God has a plan and a purpose for us, and we, the more we step in and partner with him, the more it opens up opportunities for us to experience who God is and what he's all about. One thing that I've, I've come to realize is that... Um, we, we always become so comfortable in what God has done in our life. And the challenge with it is that sometimes what ends up happening is that I'm praying for God to do something new. I'm praying for God to do something new in my life and in my experience. I'm praying for God to do something new in my life. I'm praying for God to do something new in my relationship with him. But the challenge with it is he starts doing something new. And invariably what I do is I default to where I've been. And because it doesn't look like an expansion of where I am, I miss it. I'm sitting there in the place where I've been. I'm sitting in where God used to do, used to be. And the thing is, I mean, he's inviting me into something new, but I don't always recognize it because really I have a preconceived idea as to what I think God's going to do. I'm looking for him in a preconceived notion. And the thing about it is very often we miss God in that because he's doing something that we don't recognize. There are some great things that have happened in living faith over the years. And we've had incredible stuff that's happened. Not only supernatural, but spectacular stuff. (laughs) People have been here and people have experienced gold dust. People have experienced oil on their hands. There've been amazing healings, deliverances. Those are wonderful things. And nobody ever wants to take away from those things. They're important. And I hope God continues to build on those things. But the thing is very often what we do is we pray for God to do something new. And really what we do is we take our history, we take what we know, and we sit and say, what we really mean by that is, will you take all of those things and make it bigger and make it more spectacular? And let's have more of those things. And we keep looking for it. And God's like, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. But I miss it because I, I'm, I'm looking with a preconceived notion as to what I think God is doing. The spectacular is a wonderful thing. But the spectacular isn't the only thing that God is doing. And sometimes the thing about it is God starts to do something in the lives of people that is far more fundamental. The challenge with the spectacular was this. We came out of a church in South Africa that was, there was a supernatural move of God in that place. And there were incredible healings that happened with regularity. There were deliverances in it that took place in a dramatic way. There were things that you saw that you knew happened as a result of the spirit of God because nobody else could do it. 
The challenge with it was, is that people used to come to church because they loved to see God and they were enthused and they knew that the God, God was alive because they could see it. But it didn't touch their life. And what ended up happening is they would go home and they go back to their broken family and the fact that the bank account is empty and they're in debt and they go back to their addictions and they go back to everything that's happening in their life. But I can come back to church and have the spectacular. I don't have anything within me to be able to take into my world and my environment. So what I do is I tell people, if you want to meet with God, you've got to come with me to church. You'll, 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 you'll see the spectacular there and you'll know that he's alive. And I think that what God's doing in the space is something very different. What God is doing is sitting saying, I want you to understand, you are the light of the world. That has meaning and it has consequence. I need for you to understand that I'm creating you to be a person of purpose. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take who you are and I'm going to take who you are as a vessel and I'm going to come in and I'm going to have influence and effect in that place. So that what ends up happening is you begin to recognize and realize and live from who you are as a child of God. And when you realize who you are in Christ, suddenly you'll, become, you'll come to the place where you'll identify the fact that I have what it takes to be able to go out there and have influence in the world. If you can influence the world, you can turn your world upside down. I don't know what your family looks like. Could you turn it upside down? What does your workspace look like? Could you turn it upside down? Stop looking at the globe. Stop looking at the whole universe. Look at your world. What does your world consist of? Can you turn your world upside down? I believe that's what God's doing. He's inviting us into world changing. He wants you to partner with it. There's nothing wrong with the spectacular. We need to have the spectacular. The spectacular is really important, but I don't believe that that's what God's doing right now. What God is doing right now is on a crusade to create a whole new generation of people, people who are equipped, people who are established in who they are in Christ, people who understand their authority, people who are able to live from that place, and people who are able to go out into their world and have influence. Nate and I were talking a little bit about this and he came up with a great analogy. So I have to give him credit for it just in case he says it was plagiarized. But it's, it's a lot like this. It's like you, you, you meet the woman of your dreams. Like when I met Sarah, the woman of my dreams. Okay, I wasn't as ostentatious as this, but then you go and you, 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 you get a, a plane and you sit and say, you know what? Will you fly over with a marriage proposal? Will you marry me? And the plane flies over and she looks at it and she's like, oh, I love that. And that's so amazing and that's so like it's incredible and she says yes <laughs> the plane is wonderful the proposal is wonderful and it's out of this world quite literally the problem with it is it adds nothing to your marriage you discover what marriage is about and you discover who you are as a husband and you discover who you are as a wife when you move into what it is to be a married person Everything happens in the consequence and, and in the context of what it means to, to engage in that relationship. That's sometimes what happens with the spectacular. We can see it and we can appreciate it, but it doesn't necessarily change my relationship with God. One of the biggest things that I want to encourage you to do is this, and I'm going to touch on this theme a couple of times today. Recognize the fact that you're a dual being. Spirit and flesh, spirit and flesh, and you're going to straddle both of those divides. And there are some times where both of those realities are going to come into context at the same time, and you're going to be at a place where you're juggling both of them. God is spirit. You are flesh and spirit. You are both of them. The challenge with it is this. As natural beings, our inclination is always to that which is fleshly. We like to see God in the flesh and do stuff. We like to see God in the dramatic. We like to see God in the way that is there's flamboyant and flashed all over the screen. We like that. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. The problem with it is we don't develop enough, uh, enough of a sensitivity to what he's doing inside of who I am. And so what ends up happening is the thing that is much more consequential doesn't get us enough, enough attention. What he's doing inside of you is so much more important than what you're seeing with your eyes. So much more important. Jesus was born, and for 30 years, the Spirit of God was working in Jesus' life. For 
30 years. And you know what everybody saw? The carpenter's son. Nothing else. 30 years. He went to get baptized by John. And when he was baptized by John, all of a sudden what ended up happening? The divine Christ came out. And everything that had been established and put into them for 30 years came out. I don't know where you are today, and you may feel as though that there's not much ter- happening on the inside of you. Stick in your relationship with God. I don't know how long it's going to take. You and he will know that. But I can tell you right now, if you're faithful and you're obedient to that, if you live in the context of that space, he's going to do some stuff on the inside of you, no matter whether people can see it or not. But the time is going to come where everything needs to come out. And when it comes out, people are going to be, whoa, where did that come from? Why? Because I'm so accustomed to seeing everything in the natural that I don't identify the spiritual. God wants to do something in your family. God is wanting to do something in your household. God is wanting to do something in your workspace. God is wanting to do something in this nation. God is wanting to do something in the politics. God, I can tell you now, is wanting to do something in the schools that your kids are at. God is wanting to do something on the sports field where your kids are. But he's going to start by doing something in you. It's in you that everything starts. So he's going to do something in me. The challenge that we have sometimes is that we, all, we don't always have God's perspective on things. I think often what ends up happening is we have the perspective that we see God through the lens of meeting our need as opposed to being the author of my destiny. What, I, what we really do is we, 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 wouldn't, we wouldn't always articulate it that way. But really what we're saying is this. I'll take responsibility for my choices. I'll take responsibility for my future. I'll take my responsibility, a responsibility for what's going to happen in that space. But I'll tell you what, if the wheels come off, God, if you could take responsibility for cleaning up the mess. You will always meet God in your need. And I'm not for a moment suggesting that that you shouldn't look for God to meet your need. What I am suggesting is this. There is a place where I can sit and have a look and sit and say, well, I need this. Father, I just want to believe you for it. Uh, All of a sudden that happens and we begin to pray and we're looking for our prayers to be answered because I want God to do that. All of a sudden I'm at a place where I'm happy and things are moving along and I don't need God anymore. But then I suddenly I recognize that I need some finances and God, can you just please touch my bank account? What's happening? I'm looking for God to always meet me at my place of need. He'll meet you at your place of need, but he doesn't want to meet you there exclusively. The problem with it is sometimes the challenges that we have in life is because we don't allow him to author our future. So we don't make very good decisions. Very often, if we were actually had a more intimate relationship with God and we allowed him to come into that space and direct our steps, what would end up happening is we would make fewer bad choices, fewer bad decisions, and less mess to clean up. God wants to meet you in your need, but not in the way that we think. The thing about it is God is always walking to a place where what he's looking to do is to introduce himself as the source of our life. He wants to be the source of your life, the inspiration of your opportunities, the designer of your future, the author of your story. That's who he wants to be. He wants you to come to him at the beginning. He wants you to come to him right at the outset. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying, I have a future for you. I have something that I want you to experience. But the way that you begin to experience, the way that you begin to experience it is when you allow me to begin to do some stuff in you. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Who wants to to have something done to you exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think? It's going to be done according to the power that's in you. Where do I start inside? I start on the inside because if I don't get the power, I've got nothing to, 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 to springboard off with. 
So it means God is going to do something inside of me because God wants to introduce me to a place where I'm able to recognize who he is. I'm established in that on a solid foundation. And as a result of that, I'm able to walk into what it is that he has called and introduced me to. It, be, it's talk, it calls for a person, it calls for us being people of purpose. Let's try and say people of purpose three times in a row. We are interesting as people because we have a space in our life that exclusively can be filled by God. I know you heard that before. Everybody's heard it before. But I thought about that. And I thought, is that really true or isn't it? And actually it is. And I'll, 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 I want to just flesh it out a little bit and, and talk a little bit about that. Our heart is an interesting thing. The, the nucleus of our heart is our mind. The nucleus of your heart is your mind. It's not your brain, it's your mind. The point is this. The key drivers of our life, the things that motivate us, are far more than rational things. They come out of your heart. Very often people will do things that seem illogical. They don't make sense to logic. Because why? They're motivated by drivers out of the heart. I need certain things. And if I don't get those certain things, I will compromise what I believe is right in order to try and get them. I need to feel loved. I want to be validated. I want a sense of worth and value. I need to know a sense of security in my life. I'm looking for personal growth and expansion. I don't want to live the same way I've always lived. I'm looking to get into that place where I can accept who I am in a comfortable way. Beyond that, I actually want to get to a place where I could love myself. You don't get one of those from anywhere except from God. Exclusively limited to God. The problem with it is there are such key drivers in our life that what happens is we are born with these needs. They're established on the inside of us. And the thing is, unless they get filled, what ends up happening is we go from God as our source to the world as our source. And when I go to the world as my source, I end up in a very different place. Romans chapter 12 talks about conforming and transforming. The interesting thing about conforming is this. Conforming recognizes the fact that I have these needs, I have these key drivers, and it's looking for that sense of fulfillment. The thing about conformists is they go to get from the world what they can exclusively get from God. I'm looking for the world to give me some stuff that the world cannot give me. And so it has a lose-lose proposition. For you, other people, Beach people. It's a lost proposition because I'm going to get something from a source that can't give me what I need. And so what ends up happening is I get into all kinds of different things. I, my career becomes important because I can get validation. I can get a sense of value. I can get a, a sense of worth. I start to adopt behaviors that become unhealthy. I become somebody who's codependent. It doesn't matter that you're a horrible, nasty person. The thing about it is I have to have you in my life because what would happen if you walked out? What would it do to me? It would leave a big hole. So I'm codependent and I let you live the way you want want and I let you behave the way you want and I let you treat me the way you want because I can't bear to do without you. And so I get onto programs where what I start to do is I start to do things to earn people's validation and recognition and value and worth. And I get onto a whole works program all of a sudden because look at me. Did you see what I did? Did you see how well I did it? Did you see how it was compared to everybody else? The problem with it is I have to work harder and harder to make an impact, to stand out, to be in a place where people recognize who I am. And so what ends up happening is I'm not getting what I want. I'm still at a place where I'm empty and unfulfilled. And yet I'm working really hard and I'm compromising really badly because the thing is I'm trying to get something from a place that's never can provide it for me. 
I'm trying so hard to get that. But then there's the other side to it, which makes it even worse. The problem is this. Because I'm going to a source to get something that I can only get from God, it puts an undue burden on the person on the other side. You're asking me to give you what you're supposed to get from God. Big shoes to follow, to fill. I can never do it. I can never step into that place because it's never enough and it's never good enough and it's never appropriate and it never fills my need. And, and if you did, what's, ha what's happening? It's a lose-lose proposition. You become a high-maintenance person and you're unfulfilled. God's always bringing us to a place where what he's wanting to do is introduce us to him being the source of our life. What he's saying is, you can adopt other attitudes and you can go and search for that fulfillment in other places, but unless I'm the source of your life, you're going to end up in trouble. Jeremiah, chapter 29, and verse 11. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Say, he has a future and a hope for me. He has a future and a hope for you. You know what that means? He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. The first thing God's going to do when he meets you is he's going to touch those deep parts of who we are and fill them in the ways that only he can. Because when I'm whole and when I'm complete, I don't go to consume from my world. I recognize that I have something to invest in my world. I got substance. And it's not my substance. It's his substance. If you're going to be a person of purpose, what are you going to invest in your world? You've got to have something from him. I've got to get something. For, if I have nothing from him, all I can do is I'm looking to fill the hole. What will end up happening is I become a cannibal when it comes to my environment. I have to feed off of it. Give me, feed me. So he's going to start working on the inside of us. He has a plan and a purpose. He has a future and a hope for you. He meets Moses. Moses knew that he had a purpose to his life, but he felt, as though, he felt as though he had made a complete mess of it. So he went and spent forever and a day in the backside of the desert. And he's sitting at the backside of the desert thinking that his life isn't worth anything. When one day he meets God and God says, Moses, I got a hope and a future for you. I don't know where you are today. And you may have been a Christian for a long, long time. And maybe you're sitting at the backside of the desert and you're thinking, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what it's all about. I don't know if God's forgotten me. I can tell you right now, if you can get quiet and still, if you will listen to his voice, you will hear, I have a hope and a future for you. Paul, riddled and bound up in religion knew everything about God until he met him. And suddenly he was liberated. You may have a whole bunch of preconceived ideas about God. You may have a whole history of stuff that's given you definitions and preconceptions as to who he is and what he's about and how he's going to work. I can tell you now, when you meet him, he'll liberate you. He'll set you free and he'll give you a hope and a future. Mary! Mary! Nobody even heard of her! She's a young girl in the middle of nowhere. And nothing. You're never nothing in God's economy. You may sit somewhere and you think, you know what, what have I got to offer? You have no clue what you have to offer. All you have to do is be available. If you're available, I have a hope and future. I have a hope and future for you. Joseph, riddled with his arrogance, I'm so special. But God took him on a journey and God took him on a path and God walked with him through his life and through, his, through, through the ups and downs and through the trials of life, he got to recognize the fact that, you know what? I have a hope in the future and my hope in the future has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. He has a hope in the future for you. He has a purpose for your life. <laughs> 
in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching everybody how to pray. And he says something very interesting. We all know this, but I want to touch on it because there's something that I think is quite important in it. He's talking about thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. It's number one. Thy will be done. It's number two. On earth as it is in heaven. Number three. There is a sequence to that which is intentional. He's not just saying words. He's giving you a formula for life. The objective and the end goal is heaven conform to uh, is earth conform to heaven. The objective and the ultimate goal, the, 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 the equation should come to his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where you're going. Any situation or circumstance that you find yourself in right now, that's the end equation. That's where God sees it coming out. But he has a way to get us for thy king, for on earth as it is in heaven. So he starts off with this. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Jesus says the kingdom is within you. The kingdom is within you. The kingdom is on the inside of me. The kingdom is on the inside of me. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is really important because it talks about in right standing with God, conform to the design of God. That's what righteousness is all about, conformed to what he is. What he's saying is the Holy Spirit is the source of righteousness. It's the source of confirmation. It's the source of design. It's the source of authoring everything so that it conforms to the design of who he is and what he's all about. It becomes righteous. He's a Holy Spirit on a mission, not only inside of you, but in your world to bring congruence to God's design. It's on the inside of you. That's why it starts on the inside. The kingdom is within you. Everything emanates from the kingdom. The kingdom starts on the inside of us. The reign and rule of Christ inside of my life. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. What it's saying is this, when we become overtly aware of the fact that the kingdom resides on the inside of me, when I'm aware of the fact that the life of Christ lives on the inside of me, and I begin to build a meaningful relationship with God through that, what will end up happening is, as a result of our interactions, the Holy Spirit is going to take of those things which lead to the conformity of his design, and he's going to say, this is what I'm looking to do. And he's going to invite us to partner with his will. What he's saying is, this is where we're going. I love this verse. I discovered this verse in Job. And it just, I had to read it out of the um, Amplified. But I love this. Listen to what it says. It says, the Spirit of God has made me. That's you. Say, the Spirit of God has made me. The Spirit of God has made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life, which inspires me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life, which inspires me. Anytime it talks about the breath of God, anytime it talks about the breath of the Almighty, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. What it's saying is the breath of the Almighty on the inside of me inspires me. It gives me his will. It says, couldn't you imagine what it's going to look like if this happens? Could you imagine what it'll look like if we were to take your reality and what it looks like right at the moment and conform it to heaven on earth? Well, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. What is he doing? He's inviting you into partnership with him. He's inviting you into transformation. Get to know his will. His will is so important. The moment that you discover his will, you know what you've just stumbled across? Purpose. I've got purpose all of a sudden. Every situation of your life, he has a purpose for it. Every single situation that you find right at the moment, he has a will as to what should be happening in that space. If we don't discover his will, you'll never find your purpose. Stop, stop looking at purpose from the perspective of being a single event. I think too often what ends up happening is we have a look at it. My purpose is my vocation. I'm going to be a dentist. I'll be the best dentist in the world. That's not your purpose. That's not your purpose. 
the breath of the Almighty within me inspires me. You know what it says? Your purpose is found in God. Your purpose is found in God. You're not going to find it in your career. You're not going to find it in your environment. You're not going to find it in your thoughts. You're not going to find it in anybody else's self-help thing. Your purpose is going to be found in the breath of the Almighty shared with you. When he speaks to you and he says, this is my will, what he's doing is he's sharing your purpose. You don't have one purpose. You're a walking purpose. You have a purpose for your home. You have a purpose for your family. Sarah and I laugh about this the other day. Just because you can bear a child doesn't entitle you to the, the title of motherhood. Anybody can bear a child. Any woman can bear a child. Doesn't mean you're a mother. You discover purpose in motherhood. There's a purpose to it. And if you never discover what the purpose is, you'll never fulfill it. You'll fail as a mother. You'll fail as a father. Why? I didn't discover the purpose. God has a purpose for every area of your life. What is your purpose in your marriage? What is the purpose when you wake up and you go to school every morning? What is your purpose when you go to work? When you're standing on the side of the football field and you're watching all the stuff going and all of these parents come and sit around you. Do you have a purpose there? Or do you think it was just accidental? Maybe you have a purpose in every area of your life. But have you ever gone to God and said, show me your will in this place? Breath of the Almighty, breathe on me. Show me right now what your will is in this space. What is he doing? He's introducing you to purpose. I've got to find his purpose in that place. I've got to find his purpose. It was the will of God that took Israel out of Egypt. It was the will of God that led them across the promised land. I'm oh, sorry, the desert. It led them to the promised land. It was the will of God that they experienced a land flowing with milk and honey. But something interesting happened. You see, on the way to go and experience the land flowing with milk and honey, they got to the point where they were about to receive. And all of a sudden, in that place, when they were standing on the border, when they were standing on the boundary, when they were about to enter, when they were about to partake of God's blessing for their life, what happened? They saw a, they heard about giants. And what happened? They started to think. And they started to wonder. And they started to appraise. And in that place, they suddenly began to recognize, I don't know that I can really defeat a giant. I don't know that I really have what it takes to beat a giant. Actually, I don't. And the more they began to think about it, the more they began to recognize their limitations, their inabilities, and their restraints. And it led them to a place of vulnerability. And in their vulnerability, it spat them out in a place of weakness. No matter what's happening in your life today, I can tell you this. If God is involved, you are going to find a giant. God's not calling you to come and do stuff that you can do by yourself. God is calling you some stuff to go and do some stuff. And when you get to the edge, you're going to see the giant. And when you see the giant, what ends up happening is you're going to recognize your weakness. Don't give up. Don't give up. He brought you there for a purpose. He wants you to see your weakness. Because if you look beyond your weakness, you'll discover his power. His power only comes in your weakness. His power doesn't come any other place. You may be sitting there feeling vulnerable and exposed. You may be feeling as weak as can be. Oh, you're in prime position. Stop looking at yourself and begin to look at him. And you will find power right there. 
God is in the process of creating people who are world changers. He's in the process of creating people who are influential. He's in the process of creating people who are people of purpose. And in order to do that, he has to introduce you to your weakness. Powerful people are people who recognize their weakness. Powerful people are people who recognize and live from their weakness. Why? Because when I am weak, he is strong. Such a weird relationship exists in the, in the word of God between weakness and power. Weakness and power. You see, we think that we feel weak and God comes in and the result is it's replaced by power. But that's not what he says. The two coexist. What? What? They exist simultaneously. Remember I told you at the beginning, keep in mind, you flesh and spirit. Your flesh and spirit. The point is this. God's power works in weakness. And when I am weak, it creates an opportunity for me to begin to experience his power. His power is not something I own. It is his power, not mine. When I am weak, the Holy Spirit ex- extends and, and uses his power through my weakness. Wow. And so in that place, I'm well aware of both things happening simultaneously. I'm living as a, a creature that's in full contact and connection with the fact that I'm a dual being. I'm aware of my limitations and my inhibitions and my inabilities and my weakness. But at the same time, I can experience the power of God working on the inside of me. I know you think it's not true, but you're wrong. So I'll show you. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3 to 5. I was with you in my weakness, but my preaching was in power. I was with you in weakness, but my preaching was in power. 2 Corinthians 12 10. When I am weak, then I am strong. What is it saying? Understand the fact that when you got born again, the very life of God came and lives on the inside of you. And the fact of the matter is he is going to do some stuff in and of himself. And it's okay. It was such a mind blow for me. Because the funny thing about it is, I always used to think if I could, if I, if I experienced or was aware of my weakness, I couldn't be a person of faith. Surely not. What he's saying is, to be aware of your weakness is to be aware of the fact that, you know what? I still have a brain and I still have senses and everything within me is screaming and shouting saying you can't do this. And yet, I have him on the inside of me. And the words that he speaks to me are faith. You're going to find God's power in your faith. In your faith. Okay, so this is practically how it becomes important. Understand that you relate to God. When you come to the place of your weakness, what you do is you go and you confess your weakness to him. And you say, Father, I've come to the end of my road. I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to believe that you can do this. And I ask you to speak to me in this place right now. And what you do is you allow him to speak to you. Because when he begins to speak to you, what takes root in your life is something called faith. Nate knew that Rafa could take him to lunch. He knew it. Doesn't mean anything. Everything changed when Rafa said, I'm taking you to lunch. Why? Because he knew he could and he had a commitment from him. 
That's why faith comes by hearing the word of God. I know God can do a lot of stuff, but he has to speak to me and sit and say, you know what? This is what I'm going to do in your life. Because when he speaks to me, it's personal. It resonates with me. It takes on a life of, of its own. I have something of God on the inside of me. And what I do is I live in that space and I meditate on that. Why? Because I'm taking my belief and my belief is what's going to sustain me while that seed is sitting in the ground. Your belief is what will sustain you. Allow your faith to be able to come to the place where it takes and transforms. It makes your faith new so that it, is, it becomes infused with the life of God. Your belief is what's going to sustain you. I've, I've come to discover the hardest part and the, and the toughest part of our journey with God is not recognizing the problem, not coming to the place where we get together with him, not even sometimes hearing his voice. We can hear that. The problem is when we get something from him and we hold on to that thing and then we wait and we wait. Abraham waited 20 years, 20 years. Sometimes you can't wait eight minutes. If it doesn't happen right here and right now when I get prayed, I didn't get it. You live by your belief. You live by your belief because your belief is going to sustain you. A farmer goes out and he plows up and he plants his seed. And once he's planted his seed, what does he do? He goes out the next morning and you know what he sees? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I know I've put seed in that ground. I know that something's happening on the inside of it. I can't see it and nothing's happening in my life that that resonates. It gives me any assurance, but I know that it is. I goes out the next day. What's there? Nothing. And the next day and the next week. And you know what? Nothing. But what sustains you when the seed is in the ground before I see that first shoot is my belief. Your belief is important because until the point comes where that faith begins to germinate and puts a little something above the ground, I've got to have something that sustains me in that place. I can have a foundation of faith, but it needs to inform my belief. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. One of the trickiest parts I've come to realize about our walk with God is that we straddle so much between our natural and, and our spiritual dimensions. And the two are not always, re- they're not related. There's an, an interrelationship between them. But the thing is, I can't use one to gauge the effectiveness of the other. One of the biggest challenges that I think we have very often is we begin to look inside of ourselves we begin to check and explore our thinking and our feeling to see if the word is actually doing something, to see if there's actually something happening on the inside of us. The problem with it is this. It's wrong and it's not a faith. You are a natural being. You, you exist. The life of God has come and he dwells on the inside of me. My connection point with God is my faith. As long as I'm looking at my faith, I'm in a good place. As long as my eyes are on my face, uh, faith, I'm in a good place. As long as my eyes are on my faith, I'm in a place where I'm sitting in belief. But if I take my eyes off my faith and I begin to look at me, what ends up happening is all of a sudden I come into the picture. And the moment I come into the picture, the first thing that comes up is, how do you feel? How do you feel? How, what do you think? It's all about me. The Spirit of God and what He's doing in your life has nothing to do with that that flesh. You'll never find it there. You're going to find it in your faith. Never take your eyes off what's happening on the inside of you and put it on yourself because it'll steer you in the wrong direction. It'll steer you in the wrong direction. The place that we come to is a place where we sit and say, Father, I want to thank you for what you're doing on the inside of me. And in this place right now, I keep my eyes fixed on you. And in this place right now, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come in and to make new my mind and my beliefs. Transform them by your word. And you hold on to those and you, you hold tight to belief. You are always going to connect with God through your belief before you ever see him or know him. Belief comes first. You have to hold on to that belief. 
But if you hold on to your belief, what will end up happening is it, tra- it transforms and begins to, to present itself as a God you know and a God you see. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And it's all wrapped in something called purpose. Purpose is not some flat, nondescript thing that exists. It's living and it's dynamic. And what happens is it's birthed out of relationship with him. As I spend time with the Father, as I, as I spend time with the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, he's going to introduce me to God's plans and purposes for my life. Every time he sits and invites me to encounter his will, what he's looking for is, will you be obedient? I've come to realize in life, Nate and I were talking about this, things that are simple little exercises that will strengthen and completely transform our relationship with God. Be quick to obey. Just be quick to obey. Listen to this still small voice. Every time you hear something, it's the voice inviting you to participate in will. He's saying, I'd like to do this. What are you going to do? If we discount it or discard it or we dishonoring of it and we don't obey it, what ends up happening is after a while, it's just, I don't want to talk anymore. What's the point of talking? Because nobody ever listens. So it becomes dull. The way that you strengthen your relationship with God is you become very sensitive to what he's doing on the inside of you. And as you begin to pay attention to that and you're responsive to it, what you'll find is you'll become more attuned to that voice. It'll speak louder and more frequently. Sometimes we think God's going to be, get away from the spectacular, get back to the supernatural. Live in the supernatural, not the spectacular. Sometimes when we listen to, the, we're listening for the voice of God because we're, we, we're really looking for him to sit and say, I, you know, I, I want you to lay, go into the hospital and lay hands on every person in and they're all going to walk out. And you're like, it's going to be bigger. It's going to be fantastic. But start off with the little things. Why did you say that? You'll hear it inside. Why did you say that? (laughs) Fix it quickly. Why? Because I'm wanting to develop that relationship. I'm wanting him to speak more. I'm wanting him to know that I reverence and I respond to his invitations. And the more you do that, the more you'll find that all of a sudden, my walk with the Holy Spirit becomes something that is so real. It's something that's so vibrant. And it's something that I experience with regularity. You'll find it much easier in any situation that you're in to, sl- to suddenly slip in and sit and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me now. What, what, what's going on here? But it's cultivated. A simple little thing. Obedience. Just obedience. God has a great plan. He has a future and a hope for you in every area of your life. God is looking to come and to flood your life with who he is. But he does it through us. He's going to touch areas of our life that have been vulnerable because what's ended up happening is it's put us at a place where we've been consuming from the wrong place. We've had the wrong source. And as he establishes us on a solid foundation, as he gives us of who he is, he equips us to take of who he is and introduce it to our world. You've got something to take, something to introduce, something to bring about change. Can we all stand? Father, I just bless you for for every person here and everybody watching i want to thank you father for the incredible plan and purpose you have for their life holy spirit i want to thank you for the breath of the almighty that's on the inside of us i thank you breath of almighty that you just speak to us blow within us with regularity I want to thank you that you introduce us to your will and your purpose. I thank you that you invite us to partner with you with regularity. And Father, I want to thank you that as we walk through life with you, I want to thank you for the mountains that we encounter and the giants that we come face to face with. I want to thank you, Father, for our weakness because it's such an exciting place because that's where we encounter your power. Let us never be consumed, Father, with us, our own ability and our own limitations. But let us find delight in our weakness because we know when I am weak, you are strong.
I want to thank you, Father, for the week that lies ahead. I pray for giants in everybody's life. I want to thank you, Father. The, one, the wonderful thing about giants is that it invites us into relationship with you. Relationship with you. It's when we're with you, Father, that we get to experience you. Thank you for being so good to us. Flooding our lives with goodness. Okay. The Holy Spirit wants me. Just keep your eyes closed. Holy Spirit wants me to do something. Why don't you just put your hands out? I'm going to pray for something because you're going to have to pray this because it has to come out of your mouth. But what he spoke to me about praying for is if you've had a wobbly foundation because you've been looking for your source outside of God, this is your opportunity to invite him into that space to come and bring wholeness. Say, Father, I repent, Father, for having gone to other places to discover you. No longer will I be a conformer. Father, I ask you right now that as I spend time with you, as I rely on you, and as I come to you in my weakness, I thank you that I'll discover your power. Breath of the Almighty, fill me. Every area of my life, I look to you as the source. And I thank you that you're establishing in me a solid rock, a solid foundation on which I can build my life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.